0: Speaking to reporters at the NFL Scouting Combine, Pete Carroll offered plenty of revealing comments on what the Seahawks' defense may look like with a new coaching staff in 2022. We're going to be breaking it all down in the latest installment of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network your team every day greetings 12 this is corbin smith joined for our double header episode here on thursday i got a different co-host i'm bringing people in from left and right nick lee joining me for this episode more combine talk coming your way we've got defensive linemen set to speak with the media. Tomorrow, So we're going to be sharing our thoughts on some edge rushers and defensive tackles that may be good fits for the Seahawks heading into this year's draft. Plus we're going to be talking defense. Pete Carroll had some pretty revealing comments that he made on Wednesday to reporters about what this defense might look like and why they've made some of the changes they've made this offseason. the coaching staff. So we're going to be breaking all that down in depth with some thoughts on what Seattle's defense could be this upcoming season. Thanks for making locked on Seahawks. Your first listen five days a week. Now for your lead story here on our second Thursday episode of Locked on Seahawks. This time of year, so much excitement around the NFL, especially this year, having a normal combine. It feels like 2019 all over again. No mask on, interviewing players, extremely liberating. And we've just been waiting so long for it. But in general, there's so much excitement with teams going into a new league year, the draft coming up, the Combine's an exciting time, 300-plus players in job interviews preparing for their future at the next level. Teams are orchestrating signings behind closed doors for their own free agents, outside free agents. It's tampering, but they're doing it. You can you better believe that they're doing it, at least talking to some agents this time of year. And one other thing that's exciting you start to get some really good injury news and the Seahawks certainly have that Pete Carroll and John Schneider, both offering up some thoughts on Seattle's players coming off of injuries. We've got to start at the safety position, Nick, because they gave up two first round picks, including the number 10 overall pick that the jets currently have for this year's draft to get Jamal Adams. And I think a lot of people would agree that his first two seasons with the team, there's certainly been some bright spots, but a bit disappointing, in large stretches. Maybe not all his fault. Maybe it's how the coaching staff's using him. We'll get to that later, but really the most disappointing part's been the injuries. Two straight years now that he has had a torn labrum in the same shoulder that he has had to have repaired. He ended up missing the last five games of the 2021 season. The good news is it looks like he's on the mend, and as Pete Carroll termed it, he's chomping at the bit to get back on the field.
1: And I imagine he is with this new coaching staff. I, I we'll, we'll touch on this later, but I think him sitting um, on his couch with you maybe in a sling, or you're <laughs> trying to work it out his his shoulder and, and mending it, um, watching these these changes unfold. I think that he he is going to be chomping at the bit because I, I would be too if if I you know if I wasn't really happy with how things went in in a in a job and I found out that they had some new exciting, um, ideas, new exciting perhaps supervisors. Um, that would that would get me pretty jazzed up. So I, I think that's just from him being healthy is a big deal. And also, I, I imagine he's a, he's chomping at the bit to to get started with this new coaching staff because I think, and we'll, we'll talk about this again later, that job number one with this new defensive staff is how to use Jamal Adams. And I think um, him being a fully fully healthy participant for all 17
0: games can make an enormous difference difference in this defense. Not just being healthy for the season, having him around for offseason workouts and all of training camp. Pete Carroll talked about that on Wednesday that, you know, he was a little disappointed they weren't able to implement everything that they wanted to do. And obviously, Jamal Adams had to do what he had to do to get his new contract. That's normal NFL business. But they just ran out of time on the practice field. And I think that's why he got off to a slow start and then really was playing great football with four or five games left, uh, four or five games before his injury, at least. He was playing better at a couple of picks during that time. It seemed like they really started to figure out how to use him in coverage, but no sacks. So they have to figure out how to balance his ability to rush as a safety with his coverage skills and where he fits in best in that regard. Some good news on DK Metcalf too. This isn't overly surprising. We saw the pictures that he posted on Instagram in a boot a few weeks ago. He had a screw removed from his foot, a surgery they had a couple of years ago. This bothered him from week four on. Wasn't able to practice most of the time, and he gutted it out during games. Still, almost had a thousand receiving yards. Have to think that that impacted his production, at least from the sense that he didn't get the preparation time on the field, but. He should be in excellent shape having a surgery like that, just removing a screw. I would think that he's going to be ready to go for the start of OTAs. There shouldn't be any hesitation for him being able to get back on the field. So that's very good news for the Seahawks with one of their top playmakers. Yeah, and he's an Avenger, so he has like the self healing
1: power. You know, that's or the quick healing or Captain America, Black Panther, you name it. Um, yeah, the fact that he's dealt with this for for years is what Pete Carroll said. And, 967 receiving yards and 12 touchdowns when you're not 100%. That's uh, that'll play. <laughs> and imagine then what he can do again like Jamal Adams on defense what he can do at 100%. The guy uh, Corbin that I'm really excited about um that that I'm I was just really bummed that his rookie campaign got cut short as Trey Brown the corner. Yeah. Um he he played really well for a stretch and, and didn't he got really it was an audition. It wasn't really a full, full season. And, and Pete Carroll said, Trey is doing well, he's working hard at it. He's, he's active and, and, and going, he's pushing himself hard um, and he's really optimistic and really positive. And he's been around the building a bunch and working forward to be him being a big part of what we do on the next year. And I, I completely agree. I think that's um, when you look at it without retaining anybody else and it, that's, that's leaving in free agency Trey Brown is one of your top two corners that you have on the roster and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing with uh, with some of the depth, maybe not. But I was really excited to see um, his developments, and, and and he played very well for stretches for the Seahawks this year. And I, I was of all the injuries and all the, all the ones you know that got their seasons cut short, I think I was the most bummed for Trey Brown because that really could have made a
0: huge difference
1: down the stretch on the defense as well.
0: Yeah, they did have their other corners. Sidney Jones and D.J. Reed played really well down the stretch. But that that was a disheartening injury because it was a significant one, a patellar tendon injury that required surgery. Those can be career enders. Now, we've seen Will Disley, Will Disley come back fully healthy and able to recover from that. It seems like players are bouncing back from that injury much better than they used to with some of the advancements that we've made medically. But he's grinding. He's working to get back. And this is a kid that played so well When they threw him into action, less than a 50% completion rate against him, only 74 yards through the air against him on – Eight completions. I mean, he was playing great football. Had a fourth down stop against the Packers when Aaron Rodgers tested the rookie. So it was an exciting development for him to get hurt the way that he did after only playing a few games. That was a bummer, but hopefully he's going to make this full recovery and be back. The same could be said for Marquise Blair as well. And Josh Schneider talked about this yesterday. Some of the young guys that they have, they just haven't been able to see on the field. And you could have included Rashad Penny in that category till the end of this last season. Marquise Blair is in that same mix where. He's flashed in training camp. He's looked like he could be a difference maker for them at the slot corner position, playing that third safety role, whatever role that they're using him. And yet he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He's had a torn ACL and they cracked his kneecap this year. That sounds painful, but Pete Carroll said that he is doing really well. looks like he's in great shape. I would anticipate that he's going to be ready to go when they start OTAs as well. And Sean Desai, Pete Carroll said he's very excited about Marquise Blair and Ryan Neal. So it seems like, that safety group in general that Sean Desai is pretty excited about getting to work with those guys. And so if you can have a fully healthy Marquise Blair and he can stay healthy, still has an opportunity to be a guy that can be a key contributor for this defense. And you could have a lot of versatility and a lot of flexibility with how you use your parts. If you have all four of those safeties around healthy, there's a lot that Sean Desai, Clint Hurt and company are going to be able to do with that group. And I think of it, I'm going to say this for the last injury update here because he's not currently under contract, but Adam Schefter decided to dish out a report this morning that Quandre Diggs was going to be fully healed for training camp. You could have got that sourcing from the man himself. He tweeted it yesterday, so Quandre Diggs is on the mend. He's making good progress. A couple months till he's going to be able to get back on the field, but there's a chance he could be available for OTAs and minicamp, at least in a limited fashion. He will be ready for the start of training camp, and that's good news. Hopefully, he will be playing in a Seahawks uniform. We're going to shift our thoughts to the combine here in a moment with defensive linemen. They will be speaking with reporters tomorrow and conducting their workouts on Saturday. This is a fun defensive line group, particularly the edge rushers. That's good news for the Seahawks. We're going to dive into a few of those prospects here in a moment. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. we got March Madness coming up, a very exciting time for all sports fans. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your favorite sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your top source for everything from hockey, and boxing to the ufc head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action bet online where the game starts you're listening to the locked on seahawks podcast double header here on thursday going to be covering some defensive linemen here in a moment i'm your host corbin smith joined by nick lee thanks for making locked on seahawks your first listen five days a week and make sure to check out the locked on nfl podcast we got experts for all 32 teams Dishing out their thoughts all year round, including during Combine Week. Plenty of draft talk, prospect talk going around the network for all of our teams. So make sure to check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. The Seahawks have some issues to address in the defensive line. I think that's the best way to put it. Now, in the interior, Nick, I think you and I could make the argument that the Seahawks, they could go with status quo and they'd probably be okay because their interior defensive line was pretty good last year with Puna Ford, Brian Monet, obviously Al Woods, bring him back in free agency. Maybe add one more piece to the puzzle there, and that group's going to be pretty solid. But Carroll's hit on it, John Schneider's hit on it, Clint Hurts hit on it. They need to bolster their pass rush on the outside. And the good news is, while I don't think this is an elite defensive line class necessarily, there is a lot of edge-rushing talent, which should mean at pick 41 for the Seahawks that they have some options to try to address that pass rush with an athletic rusher that can get after the quarterback.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously the, the names like Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau are, are out, out the window for the Seahawks, but that does not mean, like you said, that the, that the it's devoid of talent. I think it's, is a pretty deep group. There's a few names I'm pretty excited about. Um, and just to kind of kick it off, Sam Williams at Ole Miss, I think is a, is a really, really solid prospect. I just like the athleticism. He's just a good athlete and, and he's, he can line up in a, in a different couple, a couple of different techniques. And I think there's some schematic versatility there with him, you know, being a four, three defensive end or an outside, an outside backer, a three, four kind of style defense. And like we mentioned that the Seahawks like to use both and having a guy that can do both things and get after the passer, like Sam Williams has, I think is a big, big, big plus. And um he, I, I'm a huge fan of versatility along the defensive line. If you can got a guy that can be in, in the three-five, a three or five tech, and, and do both on the interior, guy that can stand up or have his hand in dirt on the edge, and and be just as effective, is extremely valuable. And, and Sam Williams is a guy that can do that, and he did it against some pretty darn good competition on the offensive lines of the SEC. Um, so that that's a guy I, I like to look at. as athletic, versatile kind of pass rushers.
0: Yeah, I got a couple guys here coming from the Big Ten, and I've talked about them on previous shows because they were senior bowl standouts or they were guys that jumped out on tape when I was watching other Big Ten players. I've watched a number of Penn State guys. They have five, six prospects that I think would be great fits for the Seahawks. They, just, they know how to develop players for the NFL. We saw Micah Parsons last year come in. And he comes in and he's the Defensive Rookie of the Year, fantastic player, all pro selection. They've had a number of guys come in and have really made an immediate impact. And so I really like that school and the players they are kicking out. So I'm going to start with Arnold Ebicady. Their defensive end is in that typical mold around 6'4", 6'5", 252 pounds, So he's not the biggest defensive end, but this is a guy that in a 4-3 scheme, you can have him put his hand in the dirt. He can be an every down end. I think he's had his issues defending the run. He's going to have to grow a bit more into that frame, but you see a lot of the traits you're looking for from a pass rusher. Maybe not a speed rusher necessarily, but he's got some twitch. He's a hand technician. He plays with a great motor. The Seahawks would love to check off all those boxes when they're looking for somebody that can fill the void. of Maybe potentially becoming that alpha dog as a pass rusher he's a bit on the older side that might be something that turns some teams off but he is a developed player he's got a lot of polish and i think he would be an excellent immediate addition now if you're looking for highest ceiling in the big 10 boy a i cannot wait to see the numbers that this guy puts up in the combine there are reports out there that he had a 42 inch vertical jump and he was on the freaks list by bruce feldman on the athletic this guy is a freak and you can see it with the way that he gets the job done in the field, kind of a late bloomer, somebody that's going to have to continue developing, has some rawness in his game, but you can see the pure explosiveness, the ability to win upfield, the bend. That is something that is going to translate to the league, and I feel like he's more refined technique-wise than what a lot of people realize. He has a couple of nice counter moves now to work off of that speed rush. I don't know that he's there at 41. I think of him. And Abicady, he's probably the one that's at least likely to be there at pick number 41. But if he's there, Seattle better pounce because I think this guy has first-round talent. I think he's got double-digit sacks perennially as upside. He is a fantastic player that in the right system fit I think could be a real pick, a real stud pickup in the second round, a, a sleeper pick in the second round that has top 10, top 15 potential. And so I'd be excited to see the Seahawks bring in either one of those players from the Big Ten, playing in a rugged conference. And both of them have the ability, the upside potentially, to be decent run defenders to go with their pass rushing contributions.
1: Yeah, I like Mafe too. I, I, he's one of those guys that um, he almost like ran out of time to become a first round pick. And yeah. You know, he's like he he just he, you could you could see that that he is rising to that, and him entering the twenty twenty two draft, he almost like ran out of
0: time he's still um developing before he was guys, unblockable but. in the senior bowl clips right that I was watching so yeah, like oh gosh, yeah. i feel like that might be the momentum he needed to go in the first round if he has a great combine workout i think you can solidify it
1: yeah and another guy i really like that's that's kind of a a, a spark plug and, and kind of a versatile guy is nick bonito from oklahoma i, I think that the, here's here's a guy that you know th- he can do three four outside back or another four three end. he can do it all He's, he's got great – he's relentless. He's, he's made some pretty good highlight plays. He's got a high motor, another guy that can uh, pretty much checks all the boxes you'd like on as an edge rusher, um, and, and he, he's he's athletic as well. And I, I think that's he's – he's another guy that is more of a polished product than, than, other than, than perhaps Moffay. Um, But the, you maybe wonder what his upside is. I agree that Maffe probably might have the, the biggest upside, but Nick Benito also might be another guy that could maybe make a bigger impact early on um but th- if that's it just depends on what you're looking at really but Nick Venino is another guy to keep a look, keep a keep an eye on
0: i see some Hassan Redick in his game cuz he's a little bit smaller frame in that 240 range and so I don't know that I would see him as a four-three defensive end. I mean, he could maybe play that in pass rushing situations. Absolutely. He is a bit on the lighter side, but he is a player that does bring the motor. He's got the quickness and speed you're looking for off the edge. There's a lot to like about him. And if you're running more of three, four looks, I'm very comfortable putting him out as one of those overhang linebackers slash defensive ends and letting him pin his ears back and get after the quarterback. So he would be a fun prospect. Now let's look at some interior defensive linemen. And and I'm gonna be honest, I don't feel like your 330-pound defensive tackles. I don't think that's something the that Seattle's going to be looking for, at least early in the draft. Especially because they can re-sign Outwood's at a fairly cheap deal, and you've already got Puna Ford under contract and Brian Monet. They can bring back pretty cheap. So I don't feel like that's going to be a pressing need. But getting another guy that can turn up the heat on quarterbacks from the interior, or maybe finally finding the next Michael Bennett. I feel like John Schneider throws that out there anytime he gets a 290-pound defensive end. Oh, he might be Michael Bennett. Well, there is a kid from Houston that I think really could be the next Michael Bennett. He's a little different body type, a little taller at 6'6", around 275 pounds. But Logan Hall, he is a player that plays with violent hands. He's got a very quick first step, just oozing with athleticism. I think he's going to tear up his combine workout as well. This guy is another one of those physical freaks at his size. You can reduce him inside. He can play that base end position, win with speed. He can win with power. He plays a little upright at times. I think he's got some work to do as a run defender. And technique-wise, he's not the best with his hands. Uh, but again, he's very violent with them. He will throw him into offensive linemen. He is not a fun guy to block. And I think he's just scratching the surface of his potential. He was a late bloomer with some first-round talent. And Peyton Turner in front of him, the depth chart, This could be the next guy. I wouldn't be shocked if he has a great workout if he ended up going in the first round. Right now, I think he's an early to mid-second, but he's got first-round upside, another one of those talents that you can move around the line. Again, I think a Michael Bennett-type player that has that much versatility could become a good run defender as well. He would be a fun guy at pick 41.
1: Yeah, dangerous combination of of size and power. That's that's certainly it. I'm a huge fan of another guy, Perron Winfrey. Out of Oklahoma, another Oklahoma guy. For some reason, I'm I'm on the Oklahoma Sooners train with the defensive lineman today. They get talent. Um, (laughs) They they do. They they are oozing with talent. And arguably, the best defensive lineman, the best defensive player or defensive lineman player is was Winfrey on that Sooners defense this year. Um, Just pretty pretty versatile. I I like those guys that you know zero to five. They 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 zero technique three five. They can do just about anything on the interior. I love guys like that. And also, not only that, he's not you know your your typical. You're just uh, he's got his own orbit middle of the of the line defensive player. He's very much like Hall, where he's he's sub three hundred. He's really athletic. Um, he brings some different things to the table. But you, I think that's in this day and age in football where you have to get after the passer. You have to have a pass rush to win. I mean, we sure. saw the LA Rams do it. You gotta do it from the interior. I, you know, it's a little unfair to expect to find the next Aaron Donald, but you gotta find a guy like that that can get. That can be a bit more versatile, but also create some pressure and and shoot gaps from, from the interior. I think just with how football is played now, just pass, happy, spread. you got to be able to rush the passer from any point on the defensive line. And, and some guys just can't do that. But I think Perry and Winfrey is a guy I, I watched I, when I began to watch highlights of him. I, I mean, he's a guy that you watch Oklahoma football long enough or just for a few minutes. You'll, you're going to know. That he's on the field but the first the first highlight in one of the videos i was watching is he chased a quarterback from about 20 yards away quarterback try was you know scrambling trying to cut back and, and try to make a throw didn't even see when fray and cut back and, and and sure enough he almost uh sent him into the afterlife it was a he's just he's just relentless and 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 has a high motor and is really is pretty darn athletic can can keep up with it big 12 quarterback and, and track him down so that that's that's saying something so i think of the defense the interior defensive lineman he's probably my favorite
0: i want to talk about one of those stone walls in the interior and i agree with you that Perry on winfrey would be a lot of fun on this seahawks defensive line because another guy in the 290 range that can play big end can play all the other line spots so much versatility a lot of upside but travis jones from connecticut is a guy that i didn't know a ton about going into the senior bowl you talk about another guy that could not be moved off the line of scrimmage this guy is a mountain of a man freakishly strong and I think that he's got enough athleticism I don't want to say that he's going to be a great interior pass rusher but he's a guy that could develop into a player that is able to get you a few sacks some pressures and is going to be a plus run defender I don't think the Seahawks will be picking a player like that early in the draft. And I think Travis Jones is probably gone in the second or third round, Uh, but he is certainly named to keep out there. If the Seahawks decide, you know what, we're picking best player available and we really like this kid. We think he can maybe move around a little bit. Then certainly that Travis Jones could be an option. I, I think as far as your run stuffing defensive tackles that could feasibly be there at pick 41, he stands head and shoulders above the rest. There's some other ones later in the draft that could make some sense, but Travis Jones is an impressive specimen.
1: Yeah, the the, the term I like with Travis Jones, he's a pocket pusher. <laughs> he's <laughs> just he, he's just one of those guys that that he he can't help but fall forward with his force and his power and just collapse the pocket. I mean that that's that it's just really hard to, to to function as an offense when you have a guy like that. So I, I agree I'm kind with of talking
0: like, myself into picking him at some point if he's available. <laughs> just because, because uh, listen, yeah, those it's, guys, it's those guys are invaluable. The ones that maybe they don't get a ton of sacks, but they can create that interior disruption. And yeah. if he's a guy who you count that consistently, it opens things up for your outside guys too. So and UConn stinks. And they, I mean, I I think Jim will have some success (laughs) there, but that's going to be a rough thing to get started off the ground.
1: But that's another thing is he, he succeeded despite such a a, a poor program, which, which is admirable.
0: Yeah, that's noteworthy. Absolutely. So I, I think that Jones is a guy to definitely keep an eye on, even if I don't think that that's a huge need for the Seahawks. We know that they have drafted some defensive tackles like that fairly early. And so that might be a guy that likes senior bowl prospects as well. Logan Hall was at the senior bowl. So Logan Hall at 41 could make sense. So a lot of defensive linemen that can make sense for the Seahawks. We're going to talk about the Seahawks defense in general. Pete Carroll had a lot of really interesting things to tell the media. Opened up a bit more than maybe I anticipated that he was going to at his annual Combine press conference on Wednesday. So we're going to be diving into some comments that he made and sharing our thoughts, what it might mean for this defense moving forward this is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions. I think a lot of us have by this time of year, but I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right and work out regularly thanks to Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs, you are missing out. They're the best tasting Built Bars out there. It's a protein-infused marshmallow, a marshmallow on steroids covered in 100% real chocolate. I want one right now. I might have to get a banana cream pie and take a break here in just a moment. They are going to be your favorites. Low calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar that has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. It's not even comparable. And, of course, you have your regular built Bars, too. Tons of great flavors. Coconut peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, cookies and cream. They come out with new flavors all the time. If you think a flavor might be good, they'll make it, and they'll make it delicious. It'll be good for you. I guarantee it. Go to Bilt.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's LOCK15 at built.com for 15% off your order. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Thursday edition, it's a doubleheader, two episodes in one day. Not a normal occurrence here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, joined by my normal Blue Friday host, Nick Lee. We just talked combine prospects along the defensive line Let's go back to the Seahawks defense in general, and maybe one of the guys we mentioned will be playing in their defense next year, but we got a pretty much brand new looking coaching staff. Clint Hurts promoted to defensive coordinator. Sean Desai coming in as your new associate head coach, Bears defensive coordinator a year ago, was a secondary coach for the Bears for a couple years before that. And Carl Scott, he was with Nick Saban at Alabama for three years, with the Vikings last, last year after he made the jump to the NFL. All three of these guys are 43 years old or younger, so you've got three young, energetic, innovative defensive minds joining your revamped coaching staff. And I thought that there were a number of comments that Pete Carroll made when talking about what he expects from this defense, why he made the changes that he did with the staff. There were a number of comments that stood out, but I think you and I would both agree. The one that really was music to my ears, and it was a true sign of leadership from Pete Carroll, was saying that they have been arrogant defensively at times. There's no question that that's been true. When you look back at when the Legion of Boom was getting out and some of those guys are getting hurt and they transitioned to other players and they kept doing a lot of the same stuff and it wasn't working year after year, bottom of the league and pass defense, staying on the field too much. They finally reached the point they realized now is not the time to be stubborn. Now is not the time to be arrogant. And that really fueled a lot of these changes that we've seen the coaching staff and what we expect to see schematically This different moving forward.
1: Yeah. A few weeks ago, you and I talked about on the show, um, with Seattle being arrogant and prideful about a few things about, you know, how they, how they deal with personnel, how they sign, how they sign free agents, how they draft. They're always looking for that shrewd deal that, that cheap veteran with that trying to catch lightning in a bottle. They're always trying to find that draft pick that no one wants, no one has on their board very high that they think that they can turn into something and it's almost like that winning the super bowl really set them up to fail a little bit in the in the years that followed at least at least in, in a mentality of what were and they had a historically good uh, draft run in the, in the first few that 2011 2012 you know uh, those drafts and that 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 built up the arrogance and the pride and they tried to do the same thing over and over again and unfortunately that hasn't happened and you know, we the, the LA Rams just showed us there's more than one way to win a Super Bowl. You know, there's no cookie cutter way to do it. You, you can go and make splashes, you can go and and the Seahawks have really stuck their nose up at making f- splash free agent signings and and big trade or not big trades, they've done Jamal Adams, but uh, or or taking the obvious choice in the draft, and that that's bled over to defensive scheme. I think that some of the same mentality has has happened there where they think, oh, yeah, I mean. If, Back when we had Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman, all those guys, this worked. So, yeah, just keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. Newsflash: You probably don't have four Hall of Famers on your defense right now. <laughs> it's, that's that's probably not what's going to happen. And 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 the first part of solving a problem, of course, is to admit you have one, whether it's you know an eating disorder, alcohol addiction, or wh- whatever it is, and to come to terms with the fact that they've been they've been a, uh, an arrogant I, I, is music to my ears. I completely agree. Um, And the Seahawks have not had a top 10 defense in either scoring or yards allowed since Barack Obama was in office. So it's, it's been, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, So I I think that the fact that, that they are willing to admit that they've been arrogant is a huge step forward and, and kicking Ken Norton Jr. To the curb was a big, big move. I'm I'm popular. I'm sure with some of the players, he's a great players coach and bringing in Sean Desai and Carl Scott, and I'm optimistic. I really am uh, that they, they, they're they're admitting they have a problem, and they're being active and making changes. And we were joking about the show, and um, Ken Norton Jr. Fine coach, fine player, or fine fine person. But he it was almost like you know they, they were looking for that next evolution of the defense, where you know he he was kind of the Charmeleon of, of the defense. You know he's not he's not Charmander. They're a bit more mature than that. But now we're the, the Seahawks are looking for the Charizard evolution of the defense and maybe that's what sean sean Desai, clinton hurt and uh carl scott will bring is the charizard version
0: of this defense we'll have to see corbin so there you have it locked on seahawks has gone pokemon mode apparently so yeah you would come for me eventually very good points i'm gonna go with the non-pokemon way of saying this and i'm gonna say this right now i think the seahawks have already been in the middle of this evolution as you mentioned I do think this is not something that they're just now deciding, oh, hey, we need to make a change. I feel like this is something that they have already started. And I'm going to defend Ken Dorton Jr. here for a second. I don't think that Ken Dorton Jr. was as bad as some fans believe. I do think that he was trying to make some of these changes happen. And I think that's why, after rough starts, they were able to rebound some. you got to give him some credit for that. He was able to galvanize the defense. They did play better in the second half each of the last two years. But – I think, going with your point uh, with using a far different analogy, uh, I think that they realized as great of a as great of a friend as Ken Norton Jr. was, as great of a player coach as he was, they reached the point, Pete Carroll and company where they realized we can't get to the mountaintop in terms of trying to change what we want to change with the same coordinator we've had for the last four years. Something had to give, and they have always viewed Clint Hurt as a potential defensive coordinator. He is an outstanding football mind, extremely intelligent. You don't see many defensive line coaches that are really in sync with what's going on in the secondary and coverages. Clint Hurt is. He knows what's going on the back half of the defense. He understands all those coverage things. And so having a guy like that that already knows your system, but he also knows Vic Fangio's, he wants to mix some of those elements in, to me, that is a big deal. Sean Desai, Carl Scott, the backgrounds, they come in. That's probably my second biggest takeaway here. I can't tell you how many times Pete Carroll mentioned bringing in players or bringing in coaches from different backgrounds and how important that was and young coaches. You checked off those boxes with Sean Desai and Carl Scott. Desai's never coached for Pete Carroll. He does have the connection previously with Clint Hurt. That's a big deal. There will be some continuity there that you normally wouldn't have in such a situation like that. Carl Scott has not coached with any of these guys, but – he coached for Nick Saban for a number of years in Alabama. He is a rising young coach. So I think th- that they checked off that box and then some. They truly hit a home run. I I was told by sources that they had a chance to get all three of those coaches in the same staff, and I thought there's no way that's going to happen. Somebody's going to swoop in and sign Desai as a defensive coordinator or Carl Scott's going to get a great opportunity. And they ended up with all three of them, and they're now all three under contract. That was a coup. There for Pete Carroll, that was a great off season making those changes. And I think Ken Norton Jr., he deserves some applause for some of the things he did. But it was time. It was time to make that change. So let's talk about those changes specifically here, Nick, because I want to see what you think about this. But this has always been a defense under Pete Carroll where they have a 4-3 with 3-4 principles. I don't think that the front seven is really going to be that much different. Maybe they look for slightly different players off the edge. But it feels like, based on what Carol said, that's not an area where the changes are going to be. I think the changes are going to be in the type of coverages that we're going to see and how aggressive they are with blitzing and things of that nature.
1: Yeah, I believe it was uh, Clint Hertz' uh, at a press conference. He used the word aggressiveness six times. Yep. clearly that that is something that they want to emphasize. And I really, I, I think that starts with Jamal Adams. How how aggressive do you want to be with Jamal Adams? I think that, exactly. that, that really they, they should find a happy medium between 2020 and 2021 versions of Jamal Adams, where you're they really pulled the reins back a lot on in 2021 with, with how much he did in 2020 with with blitzing and obviously setting the the sacks record for defensive backs. I, I think that there's gotta be a happy medium there. You gotta be more aggressive than you were last year, but you also should expect some some quality coverage and, and pass coverage when need be from him, and to mix it up to throw a changeup, throw a curveball. You can't blitz him every play because the offense is going to game plan for that. You got to have some. You got to have some. You got to you got to add a pitch to your repertoire, so to speak. And mm-hmm. speaking of baseball, and I think, you know, in the, in the secondary, they've just been going with fastballs and changeups. You got you got to mix in a curveball. You got to mix in a slider, knuckleball. I don't know something like that. Um, and I, I think you being aggressive, is is mixing it up and and finding a new pitch. And, and figuring out what not only what do you do with Jamal Adams, but like we talked about with Marquise Blair, with Ryan Neal, and if you bring back Quandre Diggs, I would argue that is the deepest safety room in the NFL, if I do say so myself. If you can somehow get get uh, Quandre Diggs back, so I agree that I think that it starts at the defensive backs and cornerback. You got to figure out what you want to do with with some of your impending free agents, you know, with with Trey Brown and his, and how he he steps forward and and some of the coverages that that he can handle as well. I'm I'm pretty optimistic. I, like like you mentioned, that there's some great minds at work, and we also forget that Pete Carroll, uh, even though he's head coach, is still one of the better, most experienced defensive minds in the NFL. So him with these younger, hungry coaches, I think that could be a fabulous relationship with with them bringing some new, fresh ideas, and that fire that some of the young coaches bring these days. I I really think this could be a a
0: healthy relationship that could blossom into hopefully a top 10 defense. Going off what you said about Jamal Adams, I asked Pete Carroll up front about how much the safety room and Adams' presence impacted Sean Desai's willingness to come to Seattle. And, And he admitted that that was a big part of it. And he also included the names Ryan Neal and Marquise Blair in there. I think I mentioned that first quarter. He knew all of those safeties. And so That fascinates me because it makes me wonder, is he going to find a way to use all four of these players, which I think would be a good thing to do. But at the end of the day, you got to make Jamal Adams the best version of Jamal Adams that you can. And that involves rushing him more, but they get to find creative ways to use him. Like I felt last year when they were blitzing him, it was almost always like, we're just going to turn you into a 212 pound defensive end off the edge. Like no wonder it was easy for the other teams to know what was coming. Like, Okay, we're just going to slide our protection here. Yep, we picked him up. He's not going to win those battles if offensive linemen of tackles are going up against him and they're ready for that. Well, Ryan Ramczyk versus Jamal Adams, that's not a <laughs> – <laughs> if, if you're mixing in some blitzes, though, to the A and B gaps and, and you're getting him involved in some of your twist stunts that you run up front, and then you can mix in those edge rushes, the straight edge rushes, if you are putting in more types of blitzes for him – I feel like he can be an incredibly disruptive player. And I think they figured out where he fits best in coverage. When they were running their two deep safety looks last year, again, before his injury, five games before he had two picks, he was playing great football. But we didn't see the sack numbers to go with it. So again, like you said, that happy medium in, in both the pass rushing aspect and where he fits in best with coverage, he can still be one of the best safeties in the NFL. He can be a truly unique weapon but you've got to know how to maximize those tools that really no other safety in the game has that array of tools that he has. He is a very unique, he's a unicorn player. Uh, There's no question about it. And unicorns are great when you know how to use them. So hopefully bringing Sean Desai in, the mind that he is, he's intrigued by Jamal Adams. Maybe that is the coach that can unlock the best that Jamal Adams is. And I think you have the best Jamal Adams with some of the other pieces they have that this defense can be very good. Your man coverage, running more man coverage, you have DJ Reed come back. I think that's crucial for that. Him and Diggs, to me, are the most important free agents. There's some pieces there they got to figure out what's going on with, see if they can get him resigned. But I think a lot of the personnel matches up with what they're wanting to do. I think you got a coaching staff. There's not going to be too many cooks in the kitchen because there's continuity there. They all have their roles. And I think Pete Carroll's going to step back a little bit he's going to let his guys coach. He'll step in when he needs to. And so. Maybe I'm being overly optimistic, but I do. there was so much said yesterday that didn't just seem like lip service to me. It really seemed like genuine change and the admittance that, you know what, we have been arrogant. We are going to take that next big step in our evolution, and we're going to make this defense a defense that is one of the best in the NFL again. That's the goal. That's the game plan. We're going to put the pieces in place to do that, and so – it's an exciting time. Again, this is an exciting time of year for everybody because we're going into the draft process. It's a new year. Everybody's on a level playing field. Everybody feels like they can get in Super Bowl contention. But I think there's legitimate reasons for optimism with this Seahawks defense, with those coaching uh, coaching changes and the personnel that they currently have, what they hope to have going into 2022. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee 51. Check out Locked On Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, five days a week streaming on YouTube. Coming up on Blue Friday episode, I'm going to be continuing combine coverage taking a look at the secondary, some cornerbacks and some safeties that stand out to me, and I'll be tackling your questions, our weekly mailbag segment. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Go Hawks.